urges us that you're here, and we want to be an encouragement to you. It's a powerful day. It's a day where all day long we'll be taking our will and submitting it to the Almighty God, the King of the universe, the Creator of all. And to think that hours upon hours of prayers will be petitioned to God today of praise and of thanksgiving and of supplication. And all of you will be prayed for by name. And your requests that you have and will continue to turn in today will be prayed about. The ministries that you love and give your life to, they'll be prayed about today. And we look forward uh, to the rest of this day. I've heard already this morning uh, just how blessed the time was of being in prayer together. Do keep in mind that throughout the day, if uh, to, if you have prayer requests, to turn those in at the baskets and they will continually be collected by those leading prayers and those will be prayed about. And then also keep in mind that after those leading their prayers are finished, they will take the prayer request and put on the prayer panels that are on each end of the foyer. And so if you see requests that are already clipped onto the panels, feel free to take some of those and you pray uh, for your brothers and sisters uh, this week. And then if you would like, bring those back and put them on the panels again and and retrieve a few other ones. And then others will receive the ones you have. And for several weeks, we'll continue to pray for each other. What a blessing. What a blessing. There's so often that we want to do more. How can you do more than petition the Almighty Father in heaven on behalf of someone else? And so I encourage you to do a lot for each other over the next few weeks. And especially through the avenue of prayer. But what is prayer? That's not always easy to answer because sometimes it sounds like it's a Santa Claus list made out at Christmas time. Or sometimes it, it seems almost like it's a spiritual vending machine that, that if you'll just deposit your prayers into it, God will give you exactly what you ordered. Or if he doesn't give you exactly what you ordered, there must be something wrong with this concept of prayer. Others don't have quite that much faith, and to them it's more like a slot machine. They deposit the prayer, and it's just kind of a luck of the draw. Maybe God will answer and hear and give me exactly what I want at this time. How do you view prayer? Is it really all about us? Or is prayer supposed to be so much more about God? I'd like to read to you a quote from David Myers in the book, The Human Puzzle. You can read along with me. Some petitionary prayers seem not only to lack faith in the inerrant goodness of God, but also to elevate humankind to a position of control over God. God The scriptures reminds us is omniscient and omnipotent, the sovereign ruler of the universe. But for Christians to pray as if God were a puppet whose strings they yank with their prayers seems not only potentially superstitious, but blasphemous as well. Next slide. When prayer is sold as a device for enlisting health, success, and other favors from a celestial vending machine, we may wonder... What is really being merchandised? Is it faith? Or is it faith's counterfeit? A glib caricature of true Christianity. I realize that this is probably a statement that in some way challenges all of us. 
Because it is so easy. Maybe not overnight, but over time. To turn our prayer life into a constant me. God, I know you love me. You gave your son for me. God, I know you care for me because you even tell me in 1 Peter 5 and 7 to cast my cares upon you because you care for me. And if we're not careful, it's real easy for all of this love and care that God has for us to slowly evolve into now it's all about me. And today I want to challenge you to look at this beautiful prayer where Jesus was teaching how to pray. And in this teaching here, he helps us with simple words, with the reminder, though, that our prayers are constantly about the will of God. As a matter of fact, it's in this manner he said to pray. Now, when we think about Jesus standing before the group on the Sermon on the Mount and literally teaching, this is the manner you are to pray. Now, when Luke would record a very, very similar prayer, he would record it by the disciples coming to Jesus and saying to him, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Have you ever seen someone that was so good at something you really enjoy that you just had to stop and watch? And when they finished, you just wanted to go up to them and say to them, Can you teach me to do that? Can you imagine how many times the disciples heard Jesus pray? Can you imagine how many times they watched Him from a distance when He prayed at night or early in the morning? Can you imagine how it must have been intriguing for them? They would have been men and women that would have been men and women of prayer. But there was something about the way He prayed that caused them to say, teach us to pray. It's not that they'd never heard a prayer or that they didn't know how to pray. It was that they wanted to learn what he knew about prayer. And isn't it interesting, instead of giving a rendition that was one of those all-night prayers or several-hour prayers in the early morning, instead, he only takes between about 65 and 70 words. And notice, he doesn't say, pray after these words. It's after this manner. Isn't it interesting that in 2007, it was estimated that 2 billion people recited the Lord's Prayer on Easter Sunday. Now, if those 2 billion people were praying, not vain repetitions, the text that we just read, if you back up two or three verses, he talks about us avoiding vain repetition. In other words, if for them, they were just repeating something and it was not a prayer of their heart, is vain repetition. Listen, God, Jesus Christ teaching here is not nearly as interested as you and I memorizing these words of this prayer as he is us learning this manner of prayer so that this becomes a description of our life also. And so what is this manner of prayer? Notice it begins with to whom we pray and how we address the one that we pray to. Our Father in heaven. Jesus referred to God the Father, Father, at least 160 times. Are we praying to someone who is only revealed to us as a king? No. Are we praying to someone who is only revealed to us as a master? 
No. Are we praying to someone who's revealed to us as a creator or almighty God? All of these things are true. And there's nothing negative about those things. But realize how many times God wants us to see him as our father. And when we are taught the manner that we are to pray, we are to pray as sons and daughters talking to our heavenly father. You know, a few years ago, Madonna was interviewed about her spirituality, and this was backstage. And, and so Andrew Niels, Niels asked her some questions, and it went like this. He said, when you gathered your dancers around during the Blonde Ambition Tour to pray before going on stage, who were you praying to? She said, who was I praying to? She repeats the question, stalling for time. Everyone in the room. And my idea of God, he asked, is there a God? Yes, she replied quickly, there's my God. Everyone has their own God. Tell me about him, he asked. She said, I can't describe it. But he said, you have a good idea though, don't you? She said, yes, the voice was strained and quiet. To me, sometimes I don't know if it's a being or more like the high state of my consciousness, like trying to rise above everyday life or the things that bring you down or mortality or things like that. It's like calling on any power I have inside myself. This is key, brethren. This is what our world is leaning to more and more of the power of prayer. It's about what it does for you. It has nothing to do about who you are addressing because they believe in their higher conscience is their God. It's a procreator, an advisor. It's soothing. It's comforting. It's non-judgmental, she added. And then he asked, but is it a supreme being? And she says, I don't know. You know, I really have uninformed ideas about it because I could change my mind in about a half an hour. I think religion should be a very personal thing. It's what you get your strength from. Brethren, isn't it heartbreaking to think that someone has a longing within their heart and within their being? There's someone they want to reach out to. There's, there's a need that she feels to pray. And this room is full of individuals that feel that need. God created us in such a way to cry out. It is, the, it is literally the cry of all mankind to look to someone that is greater than us. And we live in a society that says, as you cry out, just look inward and find the higher conscience of yourself and and lean, and find comfort, and find soothing, and find courage. I know that you didn't come here this morning to learn that. Odds are, if you're here this morning, it's because you know God the Father. But please don't take this for granted. Jesus, teach us about prayer. And he would say, here's the manner I want you to pray. I want you to pray to the Father who is in heaven. The creator, the king of kings, the almighty. I want you to realize that he is in heaven and he wants to hear your prayers. Pray to your father. How beautiful is it 
when we look at a godly image of fatherhood and see how it is a blessing that we are to see God as the Father. We say, what do you mean a godly image? When this Sermon on the Mount, if you have your Bible open, just flip over a page to the seventh chapter. Notice what a godly image of, of a father is. Look at Matthew 7 and 7. He says, and, and notice how, again, he's going to talk about prayer. And again, he's going to use the teaching of fatherhood. And he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Exclamation mark. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Can you imagine Him raising His voice right here? Can you imagine Him saying, Look, you're human, and look how good some of your fathers are to some of your children. Now imagine... Our Heavenly Father, the perfect, almighty Father. If you can do for your children, imagine what He wants to do for His children. Ask. Ask. Why prayer day? Because we want to spend all day long before our Father asking. Asking our Father. He wants us to. All of you that are parents have stories like this over and over. You know how when your children say things incorrectly, but you don't want to correct them because you like the way they say it when they're little? When Colton was about, about 12 months old and all throughout until he was probably in his mid-older uh, twos, he would, he would get tired and he would look up at, at me or Tracy and, and he would say, I want to hold you. I want to hold you. And, and, and we never corrected him on it. We'd, we'd pick him up and, of course, we'd hold him. And you, many of you have been there. Can you imagine a child that would never want anything from you? Relationship of parenthood is about knowing that your children are going to lean on you. And they're going to ask you for things. Over and over, and especially when the topic is prayer, we are taught that God is our Father. He wants us to bring to Him our lives and talk with Him about it all. So He begins, Our Father... In heaven. But then he says, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is also translated in the New Testament, sanctified. Almost every other time it's translated sanctified, and once or twice it's translated holy. In other words, it's the idea that when he is teaching us pray after this manner, 
you are praying to the Father in heaven, but when you do recognize it's not a buddy next door. It's not just a peer of yours. It's one that when you lift His name up, you're lifting up a name that is higher and even separate from all other names. You see, the idea of this is literally the polar opposite of using God's name in vain. Do you remember the third of the Ten Commandments? I know we don't live under the old law, but this is where it became so clearly stated to us first in Exodus, the 20th chapter. Look in verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Our society thinks nothing about using God's name in vain. They also do not, in sincerity and fervency, hallow His name in prayer. And as James teaches, if there are lips that have sweet and bitter water like fountains... That double-tongueness is not supposed to be. Listen, I cannot say God and Jesus Christ and Lord in vain and that very same day turn around and hallow His name in prayer. Our prayers should always, always exalt not only the Father but exalt His name as separate and greater from all other names that have ever been stated. Your kingdom come. So He's teaching us after this manner, our Father in heaven, how would be Your name, Your kingdom come. Now if we're reciting this, we have to understand what does it mean, kingdom come, because if it's the way we would normally use the word come, it's not a prayer that we ought to be saying in that same way today. Because we come to Acts the second chapter, which was after Jesus saying this prayer, and we know that the kingdom came. And so Jesus is praying this at this time because the kingdom had not yet come to this earth. And then we see in Acts 2, the kingdom was established on this earth. Now there's also a sense that the word is used of come in our English language to say that when something has reached its completeness... Now, if that's a little bit unusual in the way we use it, but if that was the way someone was saying it in a prayer, that would still be appropriate, that, that we want the kingdom to continue growing and continue reaching out until Jesus comes again, and then the kingdom will have reached its full potential and be delivered to the Father in heaven on the day of judgment. But beside that, notice what is being prayed here. After what manner are we to pray? Our prayers should always be concerned about the kingdom. Now friends, please get this point. When you pray for physical things in your own life, does it in some way go back to the Father and to the kingdom? Remember Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. 
There's something wrong with prayers when, when we pray for God or about God and we hallow his name and we pray about the kingdom and then there's a wide divide. And then over here, there's just a long laundry list of things that we want God to do for us that is separate from the kingdom. Listen, we are supposed to be faithful members of the kingdom. Our life is supposed to be seeking the kingdom first in everything. We are supposed to be sons and daughters of the Father who reflect Him in everything that we say and do and think. And so the reality is everything that we pray about ought to in some way go back to reflection of the Father and of the kingdom. Now with this in mind, I want you to notice also how closely that that we've just talked about ties to the next phrase. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is teaching us to pray after the manner of making sure that we recognize that it always must be God's will. Jesus is teaching this. And you remember the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? You remember that's directly what he prayed. Let this cup pass from me, not my will, but thy will be done. When we go to James, the fourth chapter, turn quickly, if you will, to James, the fourth chapter. In James, the fourth chapter, we have a a long paragraph here that teaches us quite a bit about prayer. There's things in two, James three and two, that we don't have because we don't ask. But then we come to the fourth chapter in verse three, and we learn also about you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so see, now we're back over here, this wide divide where I'm going to praise the Father and I'm going to pray about the kingdom. But when it comes to things for me, I'm going to pray about things for me so that I can fulfill my fleshly nature. And James here is saying, brethren, you've gotten it all wrong. Everything we pray must be under the will of the Father. Now, if you read on down that very same paragraph that you're in, notice... It's at the end of that paragraph that he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, that's the humility is us placing ourselves under the will of the Father and praying his will in all things. That's the humble place that we are to reside. It's the humble place that we are to pray Now, as we look at this next slide and start wrapping this up, and we'll continue this lesson tonight, I'd I'd like for you to notice on this next slide, you'll see the Lord's Prayer with numerals placed out to the side that are obviously not verse numerals. But I want you to see three things, and then three things that we'll come back to tonight. But did you notice that the first part of this prayer, when He's teaching us the manner of the prayer, it is our prayer in things pertaining to the Father and to the kingdom. And so notice we see over and over things like mentioning Father, your name, your kingdom, and your will. But notice in the last part of this prayer, now it's about us. Give us bread, forgive us debts, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. You see, when we get to the part about us, It's whole dependency, entire dependency upon the Father. Realizing that everything that we are 
and everything that we have and everything that we would hope to have for eternity rest upon the Father. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray after this manner. Address the Father. Lift His name up. Lift up His kingdom. Exalt His will in your life. Tonight, as we come back and complete this lesson, if that is still kind of like a hanging chad out in your mind right now, saying, I still don't understand exactly how we talk about our physical aspect of life to fulfill the will of the kingdom of the Father. Come back tonight. Let's look at that and let's master that. Let's make sure that we are students of prayer. But much more than that, let's make sure that we are people of prayer. Let's be like Daniel, that no matter what the cost, even if it was thrown into a den full of lions, we would never cease to pray. If you've been to the times of prayer on prayer day, you know the blessing it is. If you haven't yet, I would encourage you to be a part of that today for the blessing that it will be to your life but more importantly, the humility that it shows to God that we truly are a congregation that fervently submits our will to Him and always. This morning, is that a reflection of your life? Are you a child of God? Have you received the blessing, the spiritual blessing of knowing that God hears your prayers? If you need to come to the Lord this morning, we'd love to help you in any way that we can. If you want to learn more, we would love to sit down and, and study with you and open God's Word and, and help you see the God of Scriptures that we love and that we pray to. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ for the mission of your sins, we'd love to assist you with that. If you've become a Christian in the past and you've left the Lord and you want to come back and pray forgiveness... We'd love to pray with you this morning. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.